You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Happy Tuesday, folks. I'm happy. Water tastes crisper. Food tastes better. Everything just has such better flavor and everything is just fantastic. You want to know why? Because James Harden has been a sixer for two regular season games. And the expectations that we have of this Embiid-Harden duo is every bit as fantastic as we had hoped. I'm Adil Royster. This is the Out of Sight Podcast. Chill ride, chill vibes as always. Listen, there are several people that I could have gotten on this first Out of Sight Podcast in the James Harden era of Sixers basketball. But I felt that it was important. Nay, I felt it was my responsibility to bring on Steve Littman, who is probably more elated than all of us put together that several different dramas are now over. So Steve, Steve Littman, Stephen... Javier Lippman, I don't know what your middle name is. That's but, correct. But That's go it. ahead, and I'm going to give you the opportunity to take your full victory lap because I feel that you, more than anyone else on staff, has gone through the complete gambit of emotions in the most extreme ways possible, dating back to the beginning of the season. So, Steve, I'm going to give you the floor for however long you need to just get all of the happiness and joy out into the universe. I mean, I'm just thrilled. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm thrilled, just overjoyed that it came out this way. I don't think I deserve a victory lap, though, because I... No, 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 no. You surely do. Take that lap. Because anytime I talk I... to you on podcast, on Twitter, yeah. you were just so exhausted. You were just so done. No, yes, I certainly wanted Ben gone for forever, but I was not confident that they would get a star for him. And I was not like, I was not on team, like hold him until a star gets available because I was not confident that a star would a want to come to Philly and that B that team would want fucking Ben Simmons in return. So the fact that things shook out this way, that James Harden came available like this second at this trade deadline and, and made it so known that not only did he want to get out, he wanted to get out immediately and he wanted to come to only Philadelphia. Um, it just broke perfectly for the Sixers and Maury played it so well and he did it so, you know, so I would have traded Ben a million times before you know, February 10th, 
when we actually did. So I would have screwed this up a billion times because I am from Philadelphia and I was dying to get him out of here. <laughs> and I listen, Malik Beasley and 10 picks would have been in Philadelphia a million wow. times over. It, it would have been a terrible trade. Wow. And I'm an emotional guy and it would have been terrible. Um, but uh uh, you know, thank God I'm not the GM. Thank God I didn't have the, uh, thank God I didn't have the nuclear codes at the time. Um, and thank God Daryl did, because I'm just, you know, not, you know, now I'm sure we'll talk about it, but now Harden is a sixer. And it's like, this is the guy Joel has deserved to have next to him this whole time. And uh, it's, it's remarkably exciting. And uh, Daryl's patience paid off and, um, as frustrated as I was the whole time that that we were just sort of sitting around while every report leaked out about how badly he wanted to be out of here. And, how, <laughs> uh, you know, there were there were frustrating losses where it was like, boy, we're really just we're just wasting away this 30 million dollars. And it's, it was very frustrating at times, um, even though for the most part they were winning games and Joel was having a season amazing enough that, you know, you could sort of forget about it from time to time. You know, it, it just ended up working out uh, in terms of the the trade itself. So, uh, you know, it, it, it Daryl did a tremendous job, and uh, I do think that his intel in terms of the uh, Harden and whatever tampering he did along the way, uh, it certainly paid off. And and here we are. So it's it's unbelievable. I, I want to circle back to your fake Malik Beasley and a bevy uh, of picks <laughs> comments because I'm pretty sure you correct me if I'm wrong. But I'm pretty sure that you were against uh, Simmons for D'Angelo Russell. So, I mean, <laughs> and, and Listen, also there were some kicks. dark days. There were some dark days. Um, I, I think uh, my, my actual basketball brain would not have actually done those trades, but um, there were some rough moments along, along the way here. You know, Tyrese Halliburton, those are actual trades that I would do. You know, there, there were some real trades that I would do. Um, but, but like my actual, <laughs> you know, like when the Sixers would have a bad loss, I would be like, just get him out of here for anything. Um, you were but, just, uh, you were just constantly changing. What's the absolute least you would take for Ben Simmons. Yeah. I sort of moved my goalposts along the way there, but I'm glad that Daryl didn't. And, uh, and you know, I, I was really waning in confidence that, that this trade was out there. Um, because I, I was looking around the league and, and the thing about Brooklyn is I was always like, you know, things are not good over there. Kyrie's a big weirdo with the vaccine stuff and, and, you know, Durant is hurt, but like when those guys get healthy and, uh, when they play together, they might just kill everybody. They might just go out and win a title. So yeah. that's why I don't, I, I didn't never had confidence. Now things ended up happening kind of exactly wrong for them where KD had a long-term injury or, or multi-month injury. Uh, Kyrie was unable to play or, or restricted himself from playing in any of the home games. Yeah. Let's just get the adjectives um, correct there. Let's get the right. story straight. <laughs> and, and Harden was fed up with it, you know, fed up with that combination. Um, and also saw the season that Joel was having and had this long-term relationship with uh, Daryl Morey. Um, so it really just ended up breaking right for, for, you know, the Simmons situation and, and combined with the fact that Daryl didn't take a trade for whatever, 70 cents on the dollar before that. Um, so it just, it really worked out and, uh, lucky us and, uh, and, and good, thank God the Sixers had a, a GM like Daryl at the time that all this was happening. 
I chose you and I wanted you on this podcast, this first podcast of the Embiid Harden era, because your piece about the Sixers and their fans deserving James Harden, I thought was fantastic. I thought it was the perfect way to summarize how we're all kind of feeling between Fultz, Burner Gate, Simmons, every other piece of drama that we've had to deal with over the last, I don't know, decade or more. In in your eyes, what has been the worst thing to have to deal with and have to cope with? Because I mean, Burner Gate was just funny, but the, the Simmons thing, that was just that was just frustrating and tragic. Oh my God. Uh, you know, there's Markel, the, you know, that you draft him first overall. And I, I will never, I guess, know exactly what happened with him. Um, he looked pretty good tonight in his first game this season. I'm so happy for right. him. I really liked him. I really, I really wanted it to work out with him. Obviously that, that draft pick ended up being a disaster. You know, it's just, who knows what actually happened with him. Bynum, that, that, <laughs> that was a oh my god Bynum I forgot about ways. that you know everything since Iverson you know was was a nightmare god I mean the Colang- the just the whole Colangelo's coming in that was terrible um you know that whole the Horford situation you oh, can man. really take your pick um you know but the Simmons thing was especially exhausting just because uh you know they lose that Atlanta series and then immediately it was like the guys not even going to show up and um and and then it became increasingly hard to trade him and 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 you know it, you know everybody on the team had to answer for it except for him um you know which of all of these things were was was probably most difficult to deal with i i don't I don't just say Simmons, Steve, just say Simmons. It's fine. (laughs) You know, Simmons, but personally, the thing about the Simmons thing was after the Atlanta series, I was so done watching him on the Sixers. I was so done (laughs) watching him play games for us that I simply didn't want to watch him on the court anymore. So I didn't want him to play any more games for us. And he's the only one who ensured that that never happened again. So I thank him. I really, really, it means a lot to me <laughs> that he never played for us again. And I really appreciate it because it's very clear that Daryl and Doc, it, even, even if it was only for the purposes of raising his trade value, they wanted him to play more games so that he could come in, look a little better, like wipe off some of the stain from the Atlanta thing. But he didn't do it for whatever reason. He didn't do it. And I, I will, I'm forever indebted to him <laughs> that he didn't do that. Um, and, and we still were able to trade him for, for James Harden. So uh, I, I do appreciate it. Will there be a sarcastic uh, thank you, Ben Simmons chance if the Sixers win the title this year? Oh God. At the parade. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. There's going to be a lot of chance. Um, I certainly don't think Ben will be at March 10th to hear any of them. Uh, it sounds like uh, his back or whatever else is is going to prevent that. So I, I don't think that uh, at least in the next Sixers-Nets game, he'll be there. But uh, yeah, I, I, I would love to hear any any chance that happened at a parade. Um, yeah, any parade chance are welcome. One part of your piece that I wanted to have a bit of a, discussing with you is regarding Joel and something you said was 
we will never really deserve him. I would like to push back on that because we absolutely deserve Joel Embiid. And these are the, the points that I um, rationalize it to myself. Number one, it, it's vindication the process worked, okay? Keep going back to the hinky days, and we all kind of thought that Joel Embiid would be something this special, but the fact that he actually is, just the vindication that we can just stick it to NBA fan bases across the country. Like, that's just one thing. That's the first thing. I don't know if you agree with that or not. Mm-hmm. The, yes. the second thing, Philly deserves a charismatic superstar, just like New York would deserve one, LA would deserve one, Miami would deserve one. Philadelphia is fun. We're a fun city when we have a charismatic superstar, be it Joel Embiid, be it Iverson, be it, I, I guess you could say Terrell Owens when he was here. Um, I, I guess you could say Bryce Harper to an extent because, you know, Major League Baseball doesn't allow their players to have fun, but that's uh, another conversation for another topic on another Vox Media podcast. But Philly is great when we have a charismatic superstar in the national sports media spotlight. Do you agree? I agree. I do. And absolutely. On agreeing with your point, maybe we don't deserve him because he just works so GD hard for the Sixers fans and his teammates. He just, especially this year, he's been shouldering a hell of a lot this year. And we, we, have, we have to thank him for it. And I, I think we do, in that regard, we don't deserve him. Only in that one specific regard. Because we didn't necessarily ask him to do all this, but he's doing it anyway. Yeah, his, just, his combination of being every single thing that you would put in like a generator as a Philadelphian for what <laughs> you would want an athlete to be on and off the court um, in the city for the fan base, um, you know, like uh, during the height of the pandemic, the owners want to slash salaries. He steps in, he goes, nah, actually, you're not going to do that. Like, I'm going to actually publicly shame you and, yep. and, and force you to change that because I actually think that sucks. And like, you know, like he'll actually just go ahead and do that. And like, he'll, he'll, you know, especially in recent years, he'll he'll take a step up as a leader and he'll put his arm around guys like Maxi and Matisse and, and show them, you know, how to how to change things. He'll talk on and on about Philadelphia and what it means to be an athlete in, in the city. And um, he'll ingratiate himself to the fans and, 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 and learn and grow. You know, he'll, you know, he, he, it's not that he's perfect all the time and, and certainly not over the years, but, um, it's just that he's this unbelievable combination and his story is so sort of touching in a way when you look over the course of since we drafted him. Um, so it's, it, it's just, he, he's, he's so singular in the way that he has uh, grown and, and, and sort of become part of the fabric of the city that it, that it feels pretty, pretty unbelievable that, that we have him and he, he so feels like one of us that uh, it's pretty unbelievable. I, I feel like more than anybody, I feel like Embiid has embraced Philly probably more than anybody since Iverson, I would say. Yes. Yes, for sure. 
because I, I don't really recall even just homegrown talent, like guys that we've drafted and uh, across all sports. But I can't recall any other name since Allen Iverson was traded to Denver, where somebody was either brought in or somebody was drafted that really just embraced what it meant to play for a Philadelphia sports team. Yes, and, and had that level of like fire and commitment, you know, to the city and, and on and off the court. And I mean, Bryce Harper's and- close, but. It's just a different thing. You it's know, a different, it's a different thing. thing. Yeah, it's a different thing. I mean, Harper just won MVP, so it's not that it's not that his level of play is not commensurate, but in basketball, a singular player can elevate a team in a way that a baseball player can't. You know, like in, Harper was just MVP, and the Phillies weren't able to make the playoffs. Agreed. And and beat his MVP, and the Sixers are third. You know, and we're <laughs> and we're like top half of the East or top half of the playoff picture in the East before Harden was even here. So, um, you know, Iverson, the, the one playoff run without, without excellent teammates, you know, so it's just, you're just not able to do that in baseball as well. So uh, you can do some really special things if you're that impactful uh, in basketball. We also deserve this tandem because for so long we have been frustrated by the same offensive structure, be it, Doc Rivers or Brett Brown at the helm. It's just so predictable and stoppable because, you know, Simmons either couldn't or wouldn't shoot. But now we have this guy in Harden who is just excellent in pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and pop, ISO ball when he needs to. Just we needed something like this after like Jimmy Butler was great in his own ways when it came to ISO ball, but Harden just does everything so much better. Oh, it's a totally different, you know, level. It's just like Harden is a walking top five offense, you know, like Butler is a good, you know, late game practitioner of offense and like he can handle and he can pass a little bit, but like Harden's one of the greatest offensive player of all time. I mean, Harden was just ranked at what 30 or 50 or whatever it was in the top 75 player yeah. of all time. And I, I don't know what number, to, but he was definitely in there. And if you whittled that down to just offense, what is he 25? I mean, it's like, you know, it's insane. So um, Harden's got to be top 15 offensively of all time. There was, there was a lot of talk about Ken Joel role. Like, how's he going to, play with with Harden and I on one hand I get that because we just haven't really seen Joel play with a pick and roll heavy ball handler like like Harden ever and it's true but also like you can sort of explain it with that same premise like his point guard since he's played real games in the NBA has never been able to run a pick and roll like his point guard has basically been Ben Simmons who nobody's guarding in a pick and roll ever like Nobody, everybody's going under every pick, every single one. Like, just it's totally players. disregarding TJ McConnell, but that's okay, Steve. <laughs> it's true, but they're going <laughs> under all those too. So, um, you just, it's absolutely death to run a pick and roll, you know, if you're defense to, to guard a Harden and beat pick and roll, and we're seeing it, you know, and they, and they have Maxi out there. And it's just it, it, the, the chemistry that they're showing through two games. Um, 
is just remarkably exciting to, to see it, it gelling like this already. And maybe, maybe when we, when we saw them and a lot of us did this probably, but when they traded for him, we could have just gone, you know what? These are two, like when they're right, top five players and they're incredibly smart and talented and they're about to figure it out. And yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm not worried about like, Oh, he's used to playing this way and he's used to playing this way. Like just get the best guys. And if you have two of these guys, I'm not worried about it. And so far that's what they're doing. And I have no reason to believe that they're not going to continue to row in the same direction. Cause they both seem incredibly committed to making this work. And uh, you know, it's just really exciting. I don't know if you saw it, but uh, Keith Pompey in the uh, press game conference against the Knicks brought up a question about uh, Harden and Hero Ball. And I just love James's response. And he just said, I don't really care what anybody says about me. Like, I come in, I do what I am supposed to do. I do whatever it takes to make the team better. You know, the, the classic cliches. But then when you look at the two games he's played with the Sixers, you can see that he's actively deferring to Embiid and his other teammates. Like, Harden's going to get his, but he's also going to help everybody else get theirs as evidenced by, what, two games with double-digit assists already? Yeah, he's he also came – when he came onto the Sixers, he was second in the league at 10 assists a game. He's one of the best passers of all time. He – had whatever 16 against the Knicks um, with two turnovers. Yeah. Um, also, if he needs to play ISO, like we've been dying for years for the Sixers to have a guy on the perimeter who can get his own shot. Like, yes. I'm not worried about that at all. I would love a guy on the perimeter who can make a shot, who can get his own bucket. Like that, we've been needing that for forever. Like in the playoffs, and and just when games get really tough when you're buying for seating at the end of the year like they really 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 have needed that for forever like uh, forget about that like it's hard to play out of the post in the playoffs at the end of games with yes. 10 seconds left on the clock like even with the player as great as joel forget that like name anybody it's hard to duck the ball in because if they if they crowd you in the post, it's really hard. Now it's going to be harder to crowd Joel when James Harden's on the perimeter, and I think that's a great problem to have. But like, I'm not worried about that at all because he's such a tremendous passer, and and uh, you know, so no, I'm not I'm not worried about that at all. And if he wants <laughs> to take some shots, I think that James Harden taking shots is a wonderful problem to have. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, and then Steve, I want to get your thoughts on our colleague Paul Hudrick. He wrote a piece about how the Sixers and the fans and the fan base just embrace the heel title that appears to be coming our way since we traded for Harden and the two games subsequently after the trade. So Out of Sight Podcast, Steve Littman, we're talking about Harden, and uh, yeah, we're, we're villains now, so there's that. Back in a second. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It is the Out of Sight Podcast. It is Adil Royster. I'm your host, Chill Ride, Chill Vibes as always. It is the first Out of Sight Podcast in the Embiid Harden era. I have Stephen Javier Littman on the line. We've been talking about this. And Paul Hudrick, our colleague, wrote a piece today where he stated that the Sixers and their fans and the fan base, they should just embrace the heel characteristic that apparently we have. Are, are you aware of this notion after the Knicks game? Yeah. So it right when they got Harden, it was like teams are going to absolutely hate the Sixers because teams can definitely hate Joel because yes. of his histrionics and because he gets fouled so much and because he's at the line more than anybody in the league and he can talk a lot of crap and all of that kind of stuff. And also in general teams uh, and fan bases uh, certainly can dislike Harden because he gets to the line a ton and because he has lots of tricks in his bag and, and there's just a lot to him that uh, fan bases and, 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 teams around the league can dislike and these guys together are going to get under the skin of a lot of uh of a lot of teams and paul wrote a great piece about it and i couldn't agree more and i think that they should just go all in on this and just like you know if they're going to dislike them first of all uh, you know other people have brought this up but but stop fouling them yeah <laughs> the, the, the the reason they keep getting fouled is because they can't guard them so um right there just isn't there isn't a lot to be done about this other than other teams need to stop fouling them and and that's really not an option for them because they can't stay in front of them or they can't block them or or do anything with them unless they foul them so um you know it's not the referee's fault it's not you know like these are all real fouls you can watch them all they're all real fouls so um but yeah, teams around the league are going to hate them, and they're going to, you know, they're going to be absolute meltdowns on Twitter every night because of how often they're going to get to the line. I would also just like to point out that for his career, uh, Michael Jordan averaged about eight free throws a game, and there were two seasons where he averaged over ten, and the the game seemed to have been pretty okay. So I'm just throwing that out there. Um, all, all the best the best players tend to get to the line a ton this yeah. is part of being an efficient great scorer is that you get fouled a lot i mean it's just part of it. i i would just like to say that for everybody that thinks that free throws are ruining the game i would just like to point out that you're saying that free throws and free throw and just going to the line when you can because nobody can stop you that that's ruining the nba but super teams are not ruining the nba where, you know, three of the 10 best players are all on one team and leaving no opportunity for almost no one else to win a championship. That's not ruining the league at all. Also not ruining the league is the last four minutes of a game taking 30 minutes. Neither of those those things 
are ruining the game of basketball. But Embiid and Harden getting to the line a combined 20 to 25 times because nobody can stop them. That's what's ruining the game of National Basketball Association. That's what's doing it. Okay, sure. If that's what you want to hang your hats on, you go right ahead. Yeah, I mean, I just, I would, I would let people argue with themselves. It's fine. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I, I think it's great. I think that, uh, I think that there's nothing that they can do about it. And, and there will be some games that, that Joel and that, that refs will try to make a point, you know, by not giving uh, Harden and Embiid um, calls that they deserve. Yeah. And, uh, and they'll have to deal with that. And, and, I'm just I'm not worried about it because I think that they'll make enough shots to to work around it. Um, but yeah, I, I think that I think that people like clutching their their pearls that this is not basketball or that it's whatever. I think that that they should you know use their time on something else. Listen, if this is ruining basketball, but it brings the Sixers a championship, I'll take it. That's fine. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you said that like if they don't want to see all these free throws like don't foul them which i get it's easier said than done but at the same time a statement paul made you know the, the sixers have nothing to apologize for these teams people that are defending and beating harden or maxi or whoever else is on the sixers like it's not when you are for example the knicks and paul pointed this out you're bringing in mitchell robinson who averages over six personal fouls per 100 minutes. Like, this is something you have to expect from a guy like this or a rookie who's only guarding an MVP candidate. Like, what are are these two supposed to do at that point? Right, right. And Paul made a great point in in pointing those out. These guys foul everybody. So, like, what what are we surprised that they're fouling Embiid? And Embiid gets fouled by everybody. This is what happens, you know. And, And also... The Knicks shot a ton of free throws last night or yesterday or uh, anyway. Sunday. Yes, they did. Um, so, so the refs were calling both ways, and uh, and you know Harden and B get fouled a ton. So, um, but I do think that the villain thing is going to follow them, and uh, and the best they can do is embrace it, and uh, and and they really they should lean into that. I think. Jason Kelsey summed it up years ago during the Eagles championship parade and the speech that he gave, no one likes us and we don't care. And I think that's the attitude the Sixers should have if that's the way people are going to react to this trade and this tandem. I think it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, uh, you know, there is a, there are these narratives that that build up certainly against Harden people talking about how uh he's past his prime or there was a lot of that after the trade that you know the Nets were somehow the winners of the trade or that um you know there's been a narrative against Joel certainly for a long time with the injuries or conditioning you know he didn't win the MVP last year and and um people I'm sure will be combating his case this year for any reason and um and I, you know, lean into it. Definitely lean into it. Exactly. Lean as hard as you can into it. Okay. That we would not care one bit because 
if we get that championship that we've been so desperately wanting, we'll we'll gladly do it as the heel. Sometimes the heel has to win the WWE championship. Sometimes that needs to happen. And if that's us, then so be it. Uh, Steve, I don't know if there's anything that you have to say else as it pertains to your your levels of happiness, joy, uh, reduced stress level. But I, I'm just glad that you're feeling better because I was really worried about you for a while there. Hey, let me... Before we get out of here, little possibly breaking news. Okay. DeAndre Jordan, how do you feel? Uh, I, I feel about... I feel so about, they haven't signed him, but what he got he's getting bought out or released or whatever by uh, the Lakers, which isn't a great sign. Um, and uh, Woj says that the Sixers are interested and are the front runner. Now... I know what you're thinking. If they're the front runner, what kind of race is this? <laughs> he hasn't been good. He has been good in quite a while. Um, obviously, there's the doc connection, and um, you know they could submit a waiver claim or sign him uh, once he passes through waivers. Um, here's, any thoughts? Here's how I feel about DeAndre Jordan. I feel that DeAndre Jordan. And the clothes that just finished the cycle in my basement in the machine have the same quality. They're washed, okay? Just no, no on DeAndre Jordan. They have Willie Cauley-Stein, who is serviceable. They have Paul Reed. I actually tweeted this. I don't mind Willie Cauley-Stein as the backup center if Harden is alongside of him because all Cauley-Stein would have to do is be Clint Capella and nothing else. That's literally all he has to be. Roll hard, get rebounds. That's all we need you to do, Willie. That's it. Literally it. Millsap, okay, sure, if you want that stretch big element, that works too. And then Paul Reed, of course, B-Ball Paul, shout out B-Ball Paul. Any of those three guys I would rather put on the floor than DeAndre Jordan. Yeah, I mean... Woj even like wrote a piece about it. It really feels like it's going to happen because he's going to all this trouble to, to talk about it. I don't, uh, I don't see the point. I feel like just play one of the kids. Yeah. It looks terrible. I don't see what he's giving you out there. He can't jump over a piece of paper. I don't <laughs> like, I, I do think it's good to have somebody out there that can catch lobs with Harden. Um, and, and you would think that Jordan at a minimum can do that, but I'd just rather play one of the people that we're sure are actually alive. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess we'll just, we'll have to keep an eye on that, but otherwise things are great. And, uh, and we have a very exciting team now. Well, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that you're in better spirits and I don't have to worry about you jumping off the, I, I'm glad I don't have to worry about you jumping off the Ben Franklin bridge. No, no, we really made it through. Because Lord knows traffic on that bridge is already bad enough. No, I wouldn't do that to you. <laughs> uh, Steve Littman, always fun talking to you. We got to do this more often, like for real. Like, I, yes, I, we do. I miss you, Steve. I missed you so I miss much. Miss you, buddy. <laughs> Thanks for having me, pal. I'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Thanks for having me. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot 
because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.